Hi there, Pastor Adam from the Neighborhood Church here, and I am excited to welcome you to this special teaching and commentary over a daily prayer guide. In just a few moments, we're going to ask the question, why pray this way? Then we're going to ask, okay, how do we pray this way? And then by the end of our time, I hope that you'll be inspired and enabled to take this prayer, this way of praying, into your everyday life to see what God might do in you and through you as we learn to pray in this way. And by the way, I am speaking about a particular way of praying. I hope that you are at this moment looking with me at the daily prayer guide that you found in the info section of however you're listening to this, whether on podcast or on our website. This is a daily prayer guide that is adapted from a man named Brian Zond, author and pastor and teacher of a certain way of praying. Yes, he has his own prayer guide that a few of us at the Neighborhood Church had the opportunity to learn from him in August of 2018. This is the way that he has prayed every day for many, many years, and he has taught hundreds and hundreds of people all around the world this particular way of praying. But what you have in front of you is an adapted version of what Brian Zahn has taught some of us and so many others. The why is what is so important. And we're about to get into that here and now. Why should we pray with a prayer guide that you have in front of you, or with a Brian Zahn style prayer guide, or perhaps many of you have come from the Book of Common Prayer kinds of prayer guides. Why should we pray using someone else's words and someone else's kind of form? Great question. Brian Zond would tell you simply because we can't trust ourselves to pray the way we ought to pray. He uses a good example that selfish people tend to pray selfish prayers. Think about it. If all you're concerned with is me, 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 then it stands to reason that your prayers are going to be all about me, 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 me. Angry people can pray angry prayers. Greedy people will pray greedy prayers. Manipulative people will pray manipulative prayers. And the point is not to try to get God to do what we want, but to grow into the people that God wants us to be. Prayer is about being properly formed. Another Brian Zond mantra when it comes to praying the way like we're discussing in this moment. So ultimately, we just can't trust ourselves to do all our praying the way we ought to. Not only because sometimes we're ill-formed and we'll pray the way we're naturally wired to pray, but scripture itself in Romans chapter 8 tells us straight up, we do not know how to pray the way we ought. But the good news right there in the scriptures is Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit then intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the good news is that even though we can't trust ourselves to pray the way we ought, even though we don't know to pray the way we ought, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Elsewhere in Hebrews, we see that Jesus Christ himself is also 
interceding for us. God himself is helping us in our weakness. So I would say, echoing the sentiment of Brian Zond, that the goal is to be properly formed, and I would add, Pastor Adam, particularly to grow and be formed in our relationship and partnership with God. To learn to pray and to pray well, especially to learn from those who've gone before us with their words and their time-honored ways of praying is to open ourselves up into deeper communion with God, which in turn opens us up to a deeper participation in bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. The fact of the matter is, when we expand our horizons in praying in ways that the Holy Spirit is moving us toward, with words that have been handed down in our tradition, we're able to turn ourselves outward toward God and others, and it forms us in both our relationship and partnership with God. So this prayer guide that you have in front of you, is adapted from a Brian Zond prayer form that itself was adapted from verses of scripture and ancient prayers from different traditions. So because we need this help and because this will help us be formed in our relationship and partnership with God, all I'm trying to say is it's all right to get a little help from our friends to put a little Beatles song into the mix. It's okay to get a little help from our friends who've gone before us, who have prayed these time-honored ways that have formed so many in their relationship and partnership of God. That's why we pray this way. And why I'm offering this prayer guide to you is because we need a little bit of this help. So before we get into how we pray it, let me illustrate what I'm trying to articulate. When I was 13 years old, my big birthday present from my grandfather was an electric guitar. I was so excited. I had gone to the guitar store in Garland, Texas to go pick out the guitar. It was a black beginner level Fender Stratocaster and it came with a beginner level amp. I was so excited to get my hands on this guitar. I was ready to rock out. But here's what happened. When it was my birthday, I unwrapped it, and it was officially mine. I grabbed that guitar that I had last seen in the store, plugged it into that amp that I had last seen in the store, and with my family waiting on bated breath to see me try it out, I gotta tell you, it was a disaster. It was a disaster because I had only ever held a guitar, I had only ever wanted a guitar, I had never actually played a guitar. I had never actually held a guitar pick, put my fingers down to make any sense of music, any sense of noise that sounded more than just, frankly, noise. I was excited, but completely clueless. And that was a really defeating moment to be sitting there at my birthday party, trying to make something of it, but really, it was nothing sensible coming out. That was until I got taken to a guitar store for guitar lessons. I sat down with my instructor, who then said, Okay, 
let's get into this basics. I've got to learn chords. I've got to learn where and how to place my fingers. I've got to learn how to strum. I've got to learn how to actually play music and not just make noise. He was able to show me some tab music, which is the cheater version of sheet music. And then we even started to upgrade and elevate our game to look at actual music music, like notes that you would see in sheet music. And it was only after I learned the basics that I was able to go and take what I learned and build off of that and begin to improvise. Let me explain how this relates to prayer, and especially this prayer guide that you have in front of you. Many times new Christians are just as excited in their newfound relationship in life with Jesus as I was, and then some, when I got my first guitar. It's a beautiful gift to not only believe and confess that there is a God and that you can give your life to Him, but it's a beautiful thing to believe that He actually wants to hear from you, that He actually wants to speak to you. And so you can get a good way with that excitement of talking with God and learning to listen from Him. And in fact, you may not be clueless because I think there are some elemental ways of playing that sound a little bit better than me just scraping on a Fender uh, Stratocaster and a basic little amp. There's elemental prayers where you learn to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, creator God, I know I'm not here alone. There's elemental prayers that say, help me, help me, help me. And then sometimes when you're at the end of your rope, whether someone can really articulate whether they believe in God or not, We've all been in those places where you just are grasping at anything and you say, if there's a God, gimme, 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 get me out of this. There's something within us that knows intuitively that if there is a God, I want to try to reach out to him. But at certain, at a certain point, the well-intentioned counsel to just go talk to God, just go figure it out could be as defeating as it is for a 13-year-old making a bunch of ruckus, but not actually knowing how to pray properly. It's interesting that the disciples of Jesus approached him. We see this in Matthew chapter 6. And they say, hey, Jesus, you know, John over there, he has disciples too. And John has actually taught them to pray. So Jesus, can you teach us to pray? just like John taught his disciples to pray. And what follows next in Jesus' response, I think is really powerful. And it's something that we've missed in certain circles of the Christian faith. Certain circles that say, you know what? We don't need to be taught. You just need to go do it. And it's true that even I've preached, we learn to pray by praying. And there is truth in that. But there's also this response from Jesus that is so instructive for we, his disciples, in 2020. Jesus responds to their request by saying, when you pray, say. Did you catch that? It's not when you pray, just kind of pray like this or ask that. He gives them exact words. Do you know what those words are? 
They're the words of what's commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us far from temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. If that's all his disciples prayed, they would have prayed well. Because their teacher gave them sheet music. And it's sheet music that covers something as simple as daily bread and something as cosmic as the kingdom of heaven invading earth. Something as personal as forgiving my sin. And something as interpersonal as forgiving and releasing the sins that others have inflicted upon me. If you were to just pray the Lord's Prayer, you will have prayed well. And there's something so powerful about the fact that Jesus, when they came to him with their little black Fender Stratocasters trying to learn to pray, he didn't say, go in the corner and just start plicking and plunking and you'll figure it out. No, he gave them some sheet music. Now, do you think that this is all they prayed? Of course not. Certainly not. In fact, we see Peter recording other prayers and other experiences in the book of Acts. But even in the book of Acts, specifically in Acts chapter 2, when we get the famous snapshot of what the early church was up to in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Some translations might just say, and to prayer, but there's good scholarship and good evidence that they didn't just mean improvisational free-form praying. They meant actual when you pray, say prayers. That even in the first generation of the disciples and followers of Jesus, they were recording prayers that they had known to be tried and true, sheet music that give us enough formation and inspiration that give us a foundation taught by Jesus, interceded by the Holy Spirit, to where we can then take that inspiration and then move out into improvisation. We have enough background, enough formation, enough growth in partnership and relationship through these time-honored ways of praying that we can then take this and build off of it and go work in our own guitar solos as we go. And that's what's fascinating before we get into how we pray this way. That's what's fascinating about this prayer guide in front of you. Notice that nothing is actually getting taken away from your everyday prayer life that you are already engaged in. I would willing, I'm willing to bet that many of you are already praying for your family. It's in there. I'm willing to bet that many of you are already trying to incorporate some kind of gratitude. It's in there. I bet many of you are used to praying throughout the day for yourself and asking for things or asking for others. Well, that's in there too. What we're doing then is just giving you enough of a foundation so that you can then have that framework to go toward improvisation so that we might be properly formed, 
so that we're not stuck in that rut of always asking for me, 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 or greedy, 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 or angry, angry, angry. Proper prayer forms us and grows us in our relationship and partnership with God. It's okay to say we need a little help from our friends. That's why we pray this way. Now, let's look in particular at this daily prayer guide. I want to walk through each section and talk about that second movement. Okay, how do we pray this way? The short answer is you read it, you engage it. The short answer is you start at the top and work your way through to the bottom and you letting this sheet music guide you. And when it's time for your solo and improvisation, you go and solo and improvise and then you step back in to the next section of the sheet music. The short answer is it's not rocket science. Engage with this form, with this sheet music and let God use it to form you. Let these words help focus you. A lot of Christians in the evangelical or more spirit-filled tradition or even Baptist tradition kind of bristle at the idea that we should pray the same kinds of words. We say, oh, it's just rote memorization or repetition. And the truth is, of course, it can become rote memorization or repetition. But these words in and of themselves are only good as far as they help your soul become at attention before God. These words become alive if you imbue them with your life and attentiveness and intention. And there's value sometimes in having these memorized and in your back pocket for when you need help because we cannot always pray the way we ought. There's some value in memorizing Psalm 23 and having that in your back pocket for when you're in the hospital praying with someone walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's some value in holding on to these things and having them inside you and you know them like the back of your hand so that sometimes it can actually help you get beyond your own consciousness and out of your own way where you don't have to think as much as you can just be. There's value. And if you're bristling at it, I understand because I was there too. But all I'm inviting you into is to try it on. Take this pair of shoes, slip them on, walk around for a little bit, see if they're comfortable, if you can break them in, and see if this is another pair of shoes you can add to your prayer shoe closet. You with me? So the short answer of how to pray it is, you just pray it. And you try to imbue these words with your own presence and attention before God, trusting that He hears you and that He can meet you within it. So let's look at each section. I'm just going to make a few comments to try to give you some background and understanding so that you know why and how, what it is we're praying. You with me? I hope you're with me on that daily prayer guide. The very first bit you'll see is the address. The address. 
This is what reminds us of to whom we are addressing. And the first thing we know about God is that he is creator. I think this is intuitive in his creation that we know God firstly as creator. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of Israel, God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, true and living God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have mercy and hear my prayer. Did you notice the circles expanding? We begin with God himself, creator of heaven and earth. And then we go back to whom God reveals himself, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that we are the beneficiaries of an ancient faith. We are not the first to arrive at the scene. And then Jacob, of course, expands out into the nation of Israel. And from Israel comes Israel's king, which is the world's true king, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Expanding out to his church, who comes to see that God is true and living and revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then, because we know that we are encountering the almighty and everlasting, uncreated and unimagined God, we ask, would you have mercy and hear my prayer? Then we enter into the first prayers. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise from Psalm 51, 15. And we say, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This is a prayer used in many other traditions, and sometimes it helps if you feel comfortable, and maybe if you've not tried it, to try to do the sign of the cross from your forehead to your heart, to your left shoulder to your right, as you say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then remember that it is He who was and is at the beginning, and He is present now, and He will be forever. We remember that it is this God who helps us and intercedes for us. And then in this prayer guide, I've also added the words of Psalm 143, verse 8, which for me is like an intention, a pledge a remembrance of my baptism when I first said, I'm yours. Those words are, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Most people find it helpful to pray in the mornings as they begin their day, and I think that this psalm is a wonderful intention, starting in the morning to say, Whatever this day holds, I am setting my face and feet toward you and your way. For to you, I entrust my life. Next, in our daily prayer guide, we see the Jesus prayer, which is an ancient prayer taken from Scripture itself. A man on the side of the road crying out to Jesus. And it's been adapted and it's evolved and it's perhaps the most important prayer outside of the Lord's Prayer, in the Orthodox tradition of the Christian faith. It goes like this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's commonly known now as the Jesus Prayer, and it's a prayer that can be prayed as you breathe in and out. Lord Jesus Christ, 
Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's less a prayer about, have mercy on me, save me from hell, I'm afraid of you, have mercy please. And it's more of a cry for compassion. Have mercy on me, God, because I recognize that I am out of step and out of sorts so often with you and your way. Would you meet me in your compassion? Would you be attentive to me as I'm trying right now to be attentive to you? Remember that I can only take so much and I can only do so much. Perfect Savior, would you have mercy on me, an imperfect child of God? That Jesus prayer leads into the confession of sin, reminds us of who we are and whose we are. And this confession of sin is found in the Book of Common Prayer, and it goes like this. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. Pause there, that's really important. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, there are sins of commission, things we do. And then there's also those sins, those things that we don't do, sins of omission. There are things that we know to be true and right and good that we just, for one reason or another, have not done. And sometimes those are the ones that are the most insidious because when we refuse to do what we know to do, they can become habits that lead us further and further off the path. Those sins that we do commit are the ones that we may not like to confess, but they're easier to confess because we know we can call a spade a spade. But sometimes it's so important to bring to awareness, you know, when I miss the mark, it's not always just because of the things I've actively done. There's a lot of things I know to be true that I haven't done. So I love that it opens to forgive us of what we have done and what we've left undone. Confession of sin continues, I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. Pause. Of course, that's the greatest commandment. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. This confession of sin leans on the promise of 1 John 1, 9 that if we are honest with ourselves and we confess our sins, He is merciful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We believe that on the cross of Jesus, He forgave us all of our sins and that we've been reconciled to God through the blood and work of Jesus. But there's also that word in there that says, I'm sorry and I humbly repent. See, repent is the word of the disciple, someone who has already been forgiven, but needs to be set back on the path. It's a way of changing my mind that leads to a change in action. I'm turning away from this behavior, this thought, this action and inaction, and I'm setting my feet and my face back toward you and with you. If you pray this in the morning, you might be asking, well, why am I leading with a confession of sin if all I've done is slept all night? I haven't really done anything or perhaps even undone anything. But I love this idea of a fresh start. The scriptures speak of the God whose mercy is new every morning. 
And it's a way of starting the day with a clean slate to know that whatever came before is dealt with on the cross and in repentance. And this moment, this moment, there is grace for you to reach out and take hold of, knowing that he's faithful and just, to cleanse you and to set you back on the path for a new day. Psalm 8611 is echoing this sentiment. As the psalmist writes, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I love that. Moving out of this confession and repentance, setting my feet and face back toward you. Teach me, Lord. Now I'm whole. Give me an undivided heart so that I may live wholeheartedly with intention to seek you, find you, and walk with you. Now, we move to the readings from the Book of Common Prayer. You may have noticed that I've already pulled a couple things from the Book of Common Prayer, and it's not just because it's awesome or the way that you should do it. It's just a time-honored, time-tested way of praying and organizing those words that have gone before us. And one of the great services of the Book of Common Prayer is divvying up the Bible into daily readings. So you'll see listed here the morning psalm, because in the Book of Common Prayer, there are psalms listed for the morning and for the evening. Then you see the gospel reading. Then you see the Old Testament reading. Then you see the New Testament reading. Now, that order in this daily prayer guide is different from the Book of Common Prayer. But the verses I'm inviting you to take from the Book of Common Prayer because it takes the guesswork out of what do I read today. Some of you may already be using a devotional and that could be a great place to use it here. But the thing I love about the Book of Common Prayer is it takes us into the whole landscape and to read things that you may not have read as you just flip through and feel like it. You'll see a link to an easily accessible chart with dates and times to take all the guesswork out of it. As of this recording, there's even an app for the Book of Common Prayer Daily Readings that just has the readings for the day, no more, no less. And I would say if this is a lot of reading for you in the midst of a lot of praying for you, If you got to pick, and I'm kind of doing this, you know, on the sly as a pastor, (laughs) as a pastor that's about to say, if you just got to read something, read this. But if you just got to read something, start with the psalm, start with the gospel. The Old Testament is a story that we need to understand what comes after it. The New Testament looks back on the life of Jesus lived out in the community. But when in doubt, and if you're in a pinch, the Psalms teach us to pray in the whole landscape of human emotion and experience. So that's a good place to start. And the gospel readings will put you and immerse you into the direct line to Jesus. So when in doubt, at least read the Psalm and gospel You can include your own plan or devotional, but 
I think a great place to look is the Book of Common Prayer. They've taken the guesswork out of it, and you can always be engaging with that scripture. Then we move to the Jesus Creed. The Jesus Creed is uh, Scott McKnight's uh, name for the greatest commandment. We see there in Mark 12, 29, verses 31. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That, of course, is the quote from Deuteronomy 6. And then Jesus adds to this, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Whatever we just read, Psalm, Gospel, Old Testament, New Testament, it's all summed up with this. I love bookending those readings of Scripture with the Jesus Creed, the greatest commandment, to love God and love your neighbor. That sums it all up. We move out of the greatest commandment into thanksgiving. You'll notice that I use the neighborhood church way of praying that we learn from uh, the great Chuck Miller. May he rest in peace in the Lord's care. Chuck Miller taught us to just start with thank you and fill in the blank. I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so elemental. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a way of praying thanksgiving that roots us in not just the gift, but the giver. It doesn't just root us in thanks for the stuff. It reminds us to look to the one who gave it. Not just the gift, but the giver. And it roots us to this elemental place that we will never outgrow. We will never outgrow the need to say, thank you. Thank you. So after you have said your thank yous, and when it just feels right to move on, you move on. And where you pray next is for your family. Maybe you have just said thank you for your family. Thank you for our health. Thank you for a roof over our head. This is where you then pray and ask. And maybe it helps to start in your mind's eye with your closest circle. The family that you're sharing life with, a roof with, the people that are in your inner circle. And eventually, as the Lord leads, and as people come to your mind, eventually that circle widens out. I've found it very helpful to make a list. Maybe you have a secondary piece of paper next to this daily prayer guide that is an ongoing log of who you need to be intentional to pray for in your family. Pray that God gets through to them and invites them into his life, that they would say yes to Jesus, that they would be uh, healed and restored and renewed. You know those needs. Be intentional. Repetition is not a bad thing. It's okay to pray the same things. We have this story Jesus tells of the persistent widow. We can be persistent widows knocking on the door of heaven, asking every day that our children are safe and kept in his tender care. We can ask every day that our friends and spouses and brothers and parents have what they need to make it through this day. Repetition is not a bad thing. There's precedent for it. 
And I love to move out of that prayer for family into the words of Psalm 33:22. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I love that because the us there, the our there, could be that circle of people you are doing this thing with. I love to use the imagination that God has given us to imagine this circle of our friends and family hand in hand and then imagining the love and power and presence and peace of God radiating out around us. His unfailing love in our midst, even as we put our hope in you. Some translations say, even as we wait on you. Because really when it comes down to it, isn't waiting and hope kind of the same thing? You'll notice by this point that we've already borrowed heavily from the Psalms. By my count, I see four phrases from the Psalms, not to mention words from the Gospels, Jesus prayer, the Jesus creed. This is what I mean, how we get by with a little help from our friends. It helps to give us a framework and foundation to move beyond it into improvisation, which is exactly what we find in this next section. As you turn over to the next side of that daily prayer guide, you see the Lord's Prayer. I prayed that earlier. I hope that you know it by heart. Because if you know it by heart, if you know that sheet music, you know the key that we're jamming in, then you can take that black Fender Stratocaster and begin to improvise. You still got the same key, the same boundaries, the same notes, but you get to put your own little twist and spin on it. The Lord's Prayer we prayed earlier gets expanded however you want to expand it. Brian Zond, who I've been referencing and have borrowed this way of praying from, actually lists out his expanded Lord's Prayer, in his book, Water to Wine. You find it there on page 84 in the print copy. And it could sound something like this. Your improvisation will sound different, just like Jimi Hendrix sounded different from Eric Clapton. But here's Brian Zahn's to give you an idea. And I'm just going to give you some of it, not all of it. Our Father, Holy Father, Abba Father, in the heavens... Hallowed, holy, sacred be your name. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Do you see quickly how he took our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and amplified it, ran with it, took it. My way of praying that opening line together is very similar. I simply say, Our Father. Holy Father, Abba, Creator, Sustainer, Mother, Giver of life and breath. Hallowed, holy, lifted high be your name. May your name be the banner under which we live and move and have our being. May your name be given its rightful place over and above all others, that we may live according to your way. So you get the gist of it, right? Our Father and Rith. Brian Zahn continues to jump back into his version of it. He says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Notice, starts with the sheet music and then goes off script. You ready? 
He goes, on earth as it is in heaven, thy government come, thy politics be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy reign and rule come, thy plans and purposes be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be in anticipation of the age to come. May we embody the reign of Christ here and now. Then Brian Zahn takes the next bit of the sheet music from the Lord's Prayer. Give us day by day our daily bread. And then he riffs. Provide for the poor among us as we seek first your kingdom and your justice. May all we need be provided for us. Here's the next bit of sheet music. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I love this next part. You ready? Transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit into a forgiving community of forgiven sinners. He keeps going with the next bit of sheet music. Lead us not into trouble, trial, tribulation, or temptation. Be mindful of our frame. We are but dust. We can only take so much. He goes on and says, Save us from Satan, the accuser and adversary. Deliver us from evil and the evil one, so that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And he keeps on and on, using the sheet music and then improvising One of the ways that I like to end my expanded Lord's Prayer is actually a phrase that most scholars believe expanded Jesus's original utterance. And it's that phrase, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Most people think that was a later addition, but it made its way into our scripture. And surely it's something that Jesus himself would have prayed. But I love to pray it like this. For thine is the kingdom, not mine. For thine is the power, not mine. For thine is the glory, not mine. Forever and ever, amen. It just reminds me that I am not the center of the universe. Which then leads into a season or section of petition and intercession. After that Lord's Prayer, asking for something as little as daily bread and something as cosmic as the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we get down into the nitty-gritty and particulars of our everyday life. That word petition is a Christian word. Well, it's not just a Christian word, but in Christian spirituality, that word petition is to ask God on your own behalf. Intercession, in prayer terminology, is asking God. For the sake of others. So, this is the moment where you're asking for yourself and you're asking for others. And again, thanks to our friend Chuck Miller, he gives us not just the words thank you, he gives us the words would you. And you just fill in the blank. Would you heal so and so? Would you fill me, renew me, inspire me, give me strength? Would you, would you, would you guide us, guide our church? Would you help me? Would you protect me? Would you protect them? Again, this is an elemental way of prayer and it is your daily improvisation rooted in the foundation and sheet music of the Lord's Prayer and all that we've prayed before. We've been properly aligned and formed and this is the sheet music on which we elevate beyond and improvise. And as we finish our would you's, and you'll know when it's time to be done, 
Again, a great place for you to keep a running log and asking and asking and asking of these needs more than once. Maybe a great time to remind you of what I hope you already know. In our church, we say that we pray believing that God can, we're asking that God will, and we're trusting that God loves us no matter what. Which is why we move out of that petition and intercession into the affirmation of 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That's that trusting that God loves us no matter what. Because the goal of prayer is not to manipulate God as a cosmic vending machine to give us what we want, but to be properly formed in relationship and partnership. And that relationship and partnership is always and must always be rooted and lived in love. Dorothy Day, the great Catholic social worker and revolutionary, said that my prayer from day to day is that God will so enlarge my heart that I will see you all and live with you all in his love. I took that prayer. I think of it when I pray 1 John 4.16. I wrote a little note that just says, live in love at the light switch by my office. And it's a way of reminding myself that whoever lives in love, the kind of sacrificial love we learn from God, that God has poured out into our hearts, if we're living in love, we can be sure that we are living in God. Because as John so boldly says, God is love. Whatever God is, He is love. He is loving in His justice and judgment. He is loving in His holiness. He is loving even in His wrath against evil and the things that seek to destroy us and his good world. But whatever God is, he is through and through love. And that's that way of foundational remembrance that we can live within that love, which then ushers us into the breath prayers. If you've been around the neighborhood church, especially lately as we've been teaching and learning how to pray, These breath prayers are ways of praying that match and vibe with our own breathing. These are the prayers you keep in your back pocket when you're stressed and anxious. These may need to be substituted for some breath prayers that you already enjoy praying. Have at it. Whatever helps you sink down into that awareness to be present to God's presence. Here are three you'll notice they're Trinitarian. We begin with the Father. Abba, Father, creator and sustainer, may I live in your love. Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, which is God with us, abide in me as I abide in you. Of course, echoing John 15. Then Holy Spirit, breath of God, renew me and all the world in a sense, echoing Romans chapter 12. Again, the sheet music has already been given and written. We're just improvising and rearranging. These breath prayers are designed to slow you down so that you might enter in a soul at attention before God 
And that moves us to contemplation. Contemplation is a way of contemplating, beholding, resting, setting your attention, your gaze on Jesus, on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You'll notice I wrote there sitting with Jesus because sometimes it's easier for us to imagine the person of Jesus sitting there in our midst. There's a story that Brennan Manning, the famous author and priest, tells of visiting someone that was sick and dying in the hospital. And as he's providing his pastoral counsel and helping encourage him to pray and to prepare himself to meet his maker, the man confided in him, this priest, you know, it's just hard for me to pray. It's hard for me to keep my attention and my focus. And so Brennan Manning, or the priest that he was meeting with, describes how he counseled this man to set up a chair and imagine that Jesus himself was sitting there. The man, of course, balked at this idea. What are the nurses going to think? What are the doctors going to think when they knock on the door, come in to check my blood pressure, and I'm sitting there talking to an empty chair, right? And he says, I know it may feel a little silly, but give it a try. It may help you become more attentive and help ground you because the truth is, it's hard to keep our focus. So, of course, the man, thinking it was silly, began to try it and began to feel it less silly. He actually began to see that it helped him. Well, this went on from time to time. Him imagining Jesus sitting in that chair and speaking to Jesus, sitting with Jesus right there. Well, the man eventually passed. And so the priest received the phone call from the family member saying the news. And as the priest on the other end of the line is asking about how he went and they were discussing, you know, was it peaceful? Was it in the middle of the night? And this or that. She explained to him and then said, oh, and one more thing. It was the strangest thing. When we found him, he had moved himself just so out of the bed to where his head was resting in an empty chair beside him. When we talk of sitting with Jesus, it's a way of descending our minds, our thoughts, into the deeper places of awareness. It's less about praying to Jesus. We, we've been doing that. We've said our thank yous. We've said our would yous. We've said our intention. Now it's less about praying to Jesus and more about an awareness of Jesus. Jesus, who is God with us. This is going to take some practice, which is why it comes toward the end of this prayer liturgy. You've got to be formed in our relationship and partnership. For some of you, this may just be 30 seconds of good, deep breathing and attention and awareness. For others of you, you'll be able to work up to 60 seconds, 90 seconds, five minutes. Some days it'll be shorter than other days, but the point is to open yourself up to not just talk, but to become aware and to even pay attention, to listen and see 
what God might do with that time. It's so important to just be and to be still. The ancient masters have all taught the importance of this. Jesus modeled this as he regularly withdrew to lonely places to pray, to be still, to be filled. This is that space within our daily prayer that we quiet ourselves to pay attention. Now, you need to know that distractions will come every single time, every single day. And it was really helpful for me when a spiritual director and teacher, someone further down the path than me by a mile, said, just understand that it's going to come. Your to-do list is going to pop up. Your anxieties are going to pop up. Your memories of this or that are going to pop up. Sometimes you might need to pay attention to them with Jesus. Other times, you'll have to just send them down the river like that piece of floating wood. You recognize it, you see it, and you push it gently down the river for another time. The point is, we sit with Jesus, not just speaking to Jesus. Then, when it's time to move beyond that space, when it's time to move back out into that partnership facing the world ahead of us, we pray the prayer to the crucified Christ. Now, Brian Zahn first introduced us to this prayer. I love this prayer. And when Brian Zahn prays it after sitting with Jesus, he actually takes his arms and stretches them out to the side, just like Jesus stretched his arms out on the cross. Sometimes there's just something about using our bodies to help connect us to the words we're praying, the presence we are sensing and communing with. Sometimes it's important to try out new things like kneeling or even sometimes to go so far as to lay face down on the ground. Sometimes our bodies help connect us to the words we're praying and to whom we're praying, the posture of prayer. Experiment with that. But after he extends his hands, he prays these words, Lord Jesus, you stretched out your arms of love upon the hard wood of the cross so that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name, amen. I love that. Maybe some of you can use your hands, your arms to even mimic this clothing us in your spirit and then to move your arms outward, reaching out to the world around us in that symbolic way, because that's what we're praying. This is such a powerful prayer because it's attending to, paying attention to Jesus, but it's for the sake of the world. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're inviting him to do within us and through us, to reach our hands out to the world to bring those into his life and love. Now, I love to incorporate Psalm 23. 
perhaps the most famous psalm, perhaps the most famous scripture in all of our Bible. I've included it here in its fullness because in praying this day in, day out, you will most certainly memorize it. And this prayer is so famous because it's so evocative. This is the kind of prayer and psalm that you can let the images just wash over you. When you pray it, walk with the shepherd out into the landscape and geography of the world. Some days you'll pray this prayer in the green pastures. Some days you'll be praying it beside the still waters. Others, you will be found in the valley of the shadow. Other days, you'll be nervously looking from side to side while people are leering and jeering and out to get you. Even in those places, would you see that the Spirit of God has led you and the shepherd is guiding you, the father is with you, and that you can stay wherever you are in full confidence and assurance that he is with you and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Even if it's somewhere, especially when it's somewhere, you don't want to be. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which is a way of saying, there's nothing here I lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I love the translations that says he makes me because sometimes it's so hard to just sit still. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. The image that I always have when I pray this is actually on Amy and my honeymoon. We were in Vail, Colorado in the spring when everything was cheap because we were in between the winter season and the summer season, and there was a stream, a river that flowed through the center of that ski village, and we just sat in the cool grass and let the waters rush past us. I think about waters that may or may not be still, but there's something about the restorative, life-giving presence, the restoration that comes from the living water, our shepherd. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You understand that you're not just living for yourself. You are carrying the name of the shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the scary place, the dark place, the place where death is knocking at the door, even then I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The thing about the rod and the staff is that it not only protects you from enemies, it protects you by bumping you back onto the path because we just, like sheep, have a tendency to wander off into danger. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now this was a phrase that I wasn't so sure of until recently. I found myself in places that I want to hurry through. I want to move past. I don't want to go eat there. That's gross. That's terrible. And those dinner guests are horrible. But it's those places sometimes that God spreads out a picnic blanket in the wilderness and says, no, no, we got to sit here for a little bit. There's a reason. There's something I'm up to. There's something that's forming, even though it's difficult and maybe a place you want to rush through. 
There's where we find that he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Some commentators have talked about how ancient shepherds would put oil on the heads of sheep to prevent them from being bitten and tormented by the nagging flies and bugs that would be pestering them on the journey. The oil helped soothe them and provide a buffer. My cup overflows. We live inside a universe of abundance from a creator God that loves to give and share without measure. Even though we're led to believe we're living in a time of scarcity. When we follow the shepherd and the sheep act the way he's called us to, open-handed and generously, we do find that there's nothing we shall want and that there is overflow available in the good kingdom of God. Then, Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I told you at the beginning of this time that these are the kinds of prayers we hold in our back pocket, that we remember, that we carry with us. And Psalm 23 is the one that I pray and bring into every situation I find myself as a pastor, especially when I'm not just a pastor, but I'm a grandson. I remember sitting at the deathbed of my grandmother, who we loved so dearly, Amy and I. We're there spending some of her final moments together and tears in our eyes and tears in her eyes. And she was able to share the gift of some touching words in our relationship. We were able to give and receive the words, I love you. And when she wanted me to pray and I had no words that I could come up with on my own, I had Psalm 23. And it was one of the most beautiful and touching and honestly bittersweet moments of my whole life, not just as a pastor, but as a grandson and just a a person who loved someone who is literally walking through the valley of the shadow. And I had these words when I could think of no other words. So Psalm 23 Hopefully, as you incorporate it into your daily prayer, it can be in your back pocket as well. And that brings us finally to the closing prayer. And this is a hodgepodge of a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer mixed with a prayer from, well, me, honestly. And to be honest, it's kind of selfish because this is the way that I pray. This is the prayer uh, guide that... I use in my daily prayer life. And so this is a prayer that means something to me. It may not resonate so much with you. That's why you can use the first bit of this or you can use some other prayer from the uh, the um, Book of Common Prayer or you can even use something like the St. Francis Prayer, the prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. There are so many good prayers. Whichever prayer you use, even if it's this one, it should be a kind of prayer that launches you, that sends you back out into the world. You've been formed in partnership and relationship little by little by praying these words, uh, soul at attention, you're communing with the living God, and he is sending you back out with him into the world. The closing prayer, the first half may sound familiar to you from the Book of Common Prayer, and then we shift gears into 
a prayer from Adam. It goes like this. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity. This is where we shift gears to Adam's prayer. May every interaction and distraction be an invitation to seek you and find you. For every moment is a light with the fire of your presence. May I live in your love, bearing the beams you've given me in this time, in this place, and in these relationships. May the yoke be easy and the burden light, because we walk the way together. This day is yours, I am yours, open-hearted and open-handed, I go, amen. That's how we pray this daily prayer guide. Now, I want to leave you with this challenge. If this has gotten your juices flowing, if this sheet music has inspired you and you're ready to take it and improvise and read and recite and pray, would you take this prayer guide and would you give 30 days to praying it? I want to tell you that even though this podcast is long, it's shorter than Brian Zahn's. (laughs) We had a day and a half with him. And he did an amazing job. And I am not trying to replicate that experience of the Brian Zond Prayer School. This is an adapted and condensed version that may take you about 30 minutes, give or take, depending on how long you sit, how much you're asking and thanking, how much you're reading. Know that it's going to take you a little bit of time. But also know that you don't just have to go to the corner, plug in your little Fender Black Electric Stratocaster, and just figure it out. There are words here to inspire you so that you can improvise. Because the point of prayer is that we might be properly formed. That it grows us in our relationship and partnership with God. So give 30 days... Try this on for size and see how it might grow you. The problem with prayer is that it doesn't give us all the time the quick and easy answers and fixes and even experiences that we want. But there's something to developing a habit of holiness, to develop a way of faithfulness, that praying this way can get into our bones and provide these habits that we can carry with us in the back pocket throughout the varied terrain of our experience. So may you take this, pray, improvise, be inspired, and know that He is praying with you. Jesus Himself is interceding for you. The Holy Spirit interceding with groans too deep for words. And the Father is listening. So, what are you waiting for? Go and pray it. Well, thanks for listening to this special podcast. Thanks for engaging with this daily prayer guide. If you are taking this challenge, would you let somebody know? Would you pull in a couple other brothers or sisters to keep you encouraged and accountable? Would you let us know in our neighborhood groups, in our Facebook group, on our Facebook page? Would you let us know the things that you are learning 
and editing and adapting, would you let somebody know? We hope that you have enjoyed this. We hope that this is a tool for your spiritual formation that will produce good fruit, fruit that lasts. Thanks for listening. Let's go pray together.